chapter six of the garys and their friends by frank webb this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter six pleasant news one evening mr ellis was reading the newspaper and mrs ellis and the girls were busily engaged in sewing when who should come in but mr walters who had entered without ceremony at the front door which had been left open owing to the unusual heat of the weather here you all are hard at work exclaimed he in his usual hearty manner accepting at the same time the chair offered to him by esther come now continued he lay aside your work and newspapers for i have great news to communicate indeed what is it what can it be cried the three females almost in a breath do let us hear it oh said mr walters in a provokingly slow tone i don't think i'll tell you to-night it may injure your rest it will keep till to-morrow now that is always the way with mr walters said caddy pettishly he always rouses one's curiosity and then refuses to gratify it he is so tantalizing sometimes i'll tell you this much said he looking slyly at caddy it is connected with a gentleman who had the misfortune to be taken for a beggar and who was beaten over the head in consequence by a young lady of my acquaintance now father has been telling you that exclaimed caddy looking confused and i don't thank him for it either i hear of that everywhere i go even the burtons know of it mr walters now looked round the room as though he missed some one and finally exclaimed where's charlie i thought i missed somebody where's my boy we have put him out to live at mrs thomas's answered mrs ellis hesitatingly for she knew mr walters feelings respecting the common practice of sending little coloured boys to service it is a very good place for him continued she a most excellent place that is too bad rejoined mr walters too bad it is a shame to make a servant of a bright clever boy like that why ellis man how came you to consent to his going the boy should be at school it really does seem to me that you people who have good and smart boys take the very course to ruin them the worst thing you can do with a boy of his age is to put him at service once get a boy into the habit of working for a stipend and depend upon it when he arrives at manhood he will think that if he can secure so much a month for the rest of his life he will be perfectly happy how would you like him to be a subservient old numskull like that old roberts of theirs here esther interrupted mr walters by saying i am very glad to hear you express yourself in that manner mr walters very glad charlie is such a bright active little fellow i hate to have him living there as a servant and he dislikes it too as much as any one can 
i do wish mother would take him away hush esther said her mother sharply your mother lived at service and no one ever thought the worse of her for it esther looked abashed and did not attempt to say anything farther now look here ellen said mr walters he called her ellen for he had been long intimate with the family if you can't get on without the boys earning something why don't you do as white women and men do do you ever find them sending their boys out as servants no they rather give them a stock of matches blacking newspapers or apples and start them out to sell them what is the result the boy that learns to sell matches soon learns to sell other things he learns to make bargains he becomes a small trader then a merchant then a millionaire did you ever hear of any one who had made a fortune at service where would i or ellis have been had we been hired out all our lives at so much a month it begets a feeling of dependence to place a boy in such a situation and rely upon it if he stays there long it will spoil him for anything better all his days mrs ellis was here compelled to add by way of justifying herself that it was not their intention to let him remain there permanently his father only having given his consent for him to serve during the vacation well don't let him stay there longer i pray you continued walters a great many white people think that we are only fit for servants and i must confess we do much to strengthen the opinion by permitting our children to occupy such situations when we are not in circumstances to compel us to do so mrs thomas may tell you that they respect their old servant roberts as much as they do your husband but they don't nevertheless i don't believe a word of it it is impossible to have the same respect for the man who cleans your boots that you have for the man who plans and builds your house oh well walters here interposed mr ellis i don't intend the boy to remain there so don't get yourself into an unnecessary state of excitement about it let us hear what this great news is that you have brought oh i had almost forgotten it laughingly replied walters at the same time fumbling in his pocket for a letter which he at length produced here he continued opening it is a letter i have received from a mr gary enclosing another from our friend winston this mr gary writes me that he is coming to the north to settle and desires me to procure them a house and he says also that he has so far presumed upon an early acquaintance of his wife with mrs ellis as to request that she will attend to the furnishing of it you are to purchase all that is necessary to make them comfortable and i am to foot the bills what you don't mean emily winston's husband said the astonished mrs ellis i can't say whose husband it is but from winston's letter replied mr walters i suppose he is the person alluded to that is news continued mrs ellis only think she was a little mite of a thing when i first knew her and now she is a woman and the mother of two children how time does fly i must be getting quite old concluded she with a sigh nonsense ellen 
remarked mr ellis you look surprisingly young you are quite a girl yet why it was only the other day i was asked if you were one of my daughters mrs ellis and the girls laughed at this sally of their father who asked mr walters if he had as yet any house in view there is one of my houses in winter street that i think will just suit them the former tenants moved out about a week since if i can call for you to-morrow he continued turning to mrs ellis will you accompany me there to take a look at the premises it is a dreadful long walk replied mrs ellis how provoking it is to think that because persons are coloured they are not permitted to ride in the omnibuses or other public conveyances i do hope i shall live to see the time when we shall be treated as civilised creatures should be i suppose we shall be so treated when the millennium comes rejoined walters not before i am afraid and as we have no reason to anticipate that it will arrive before to-morrow we shall have to walk to winter street or take a private conveyance at any rate i shall call for you to-morrow at ten good-night remember at ten well this is a strange piece of intelligence exclaimed mrs ellis as the door closed upon mr walters i wonder what on earth can induce them to move on here their place i am told is a perfect paradise in old colonel gary's time it was said to be the finest in georgia i wonder if he really intends to live here permanently i can't say my dear replied mrs ellis i am as much in the dark as you are perhaps they are getting poor ellis and are coming here because they can live cheaper oh no wife i don't think that can be the occasion of their removal i rather imagine he proposes emancipating his children he cannot do it legally in georgia and you know by bringing them here and letting them remain six months they are free so says the law of some of the southern states and i think of georgia the next morning mrs ellis caddy and mr walters started for winter street it was a very long walk and when they arrived there they were all pretty well exhausted oh dear exclaimed mrs ellis after walking upstairs i am so tired and there is not a chair in the house i must rest here said she seating herself upon the stairs and looking out upon the garden what a large yard if ours were only as large as this what a delightful place i could make of it but there is no room to plant anything at our house the garden is so very small after they were all somewhat rested they walked through the house and surveyed the rooms making some favourable commentary upon each the house don't look as if it would want much cleaning said caddy with a tone of regret so much the better i should say suggested mr walters not as caddy views the matter rejoined mrs ellis she is so fond of house-cleaning that i positively think she regards the cleanly state of the premises as rather a disadvantage than otherwise they were all however very well pleased with the place and on their way home they settled which should be the best bedroom and where the children should sleep they also calculated how much carpet and oilcloth would be necessary and what style of furniture should be put in the parlour i think the letter said plain neat furniture and not too expensive did it not asked mrs ellis 
i think those were the very words replied caddy and oh mother isn't it nice to have the buying of so many pretty things i do love to shop particularly with someone else's money rejoined her mother with a smile yes or one's own either when one has it continued caddy i like to spend money under any circumstances thus in conversation relative to the house and its fixtures they beguiled the time until they reached their home on arriving there mrs ellis found roberts awaiting her return with a very anxious countenance he informed her that mrs thomas wished to see her immediately that charlie had been giving that estimable lady a world of trouble and that her presence was necessary to set things to rights what has he been doing asked mrs ellis oh lots of things he and aunt rachel don't get on together at all and last night he came nigh having the house burned down over our heads why roberts you don't tell me so what a trial boys are sighed mrs ellis he got on first-rate for a week or two but since that he has been raising satan he and aunt rachel had a regular brush yesterday and he has actually lamed the old woman to that extent she won't be able to work for a week to come dear dear what am i to do said the perplexed mrs ellis i can't go up there immediately i am too tired say to mrs thomas i will come up this evening i wonder concluded she what has come over the boy mother you know how cross aunt rachel is i expect she has been ill-treating him he is so good-natured that he never would behave improperly to an old person unless goaded to it by some very harsh usage that's the way go on esther find some excuse for your angel said caddy ironically of course that lamb could not do anything wrong and according to your judgment he never does but i tell you he is as bad as any other boy boys are boys i expect he has been tracking over the floor after aunt rachel has scrubbed it or has been doing something equally provoking he has been in mischief depend upon it things had gone on very well with master charlie for the first two weeks after his introduction into the house of the fashionable descendant of the worthy maker of leathern breeches his intelligence combined with the quickness and good humour with which he performed the duties assigned him quite won the regard of the venerable lady who presided over that establishment it is true she had detected him in several attempts upon the peace and well-being of aunt rachel's tom but with tom she had little sympathy he having recently made several felonious descents upon her stores of cream and custards in fact it was not highly probable if any of his schemes had resulted seriously to the spiteful protege of aunt rachel that mrs thomas would have been overwhelmed with grief or disposed to inflict any severe punishment on the author of the catastrophe unfortunately for mrs thomas charlie whilst going on an errand had fallen in with his ancient friend and adviser in short he had met no less a person than the formerly all-sufficient kinch great was the delight great was the delight of both parties at this unexpected meeting and warm indeed was the exchange of mutual congratulations on this auspicious event 
kinch in the excess of his delight threw his hat several feet in the air nor did his feelings of pleasure undergo the least abatement when that dilapidated portion of his costume fell into a bed of newly mixed lime from which he rescued it with great difficulty and at no little personal risk hallo kinch old fellow how are you cried charlie i've been dying to see you why haven't you been up why i did come up often but that old witch in the kitchen wouldn't let me see you she abused me scandalous i wanted to pull her turban off and throw it in the gutter why she called me a dirty beggar and threatened to throw cold water on me if i didn't go away phew ain't she an old buster why i never knew you were there yes continued Hinch, and i saw you another time hung up behind the carriage i declare charlie you looked so like a little monkey dressed up in the that sky-blue coat and silver buttons that i like to have died a laughing at you and kinch was so overcome by the recollection of the event in question that he was obliged to sit down upon a doorstep to recover himself oh i do hate to wear this confounded livery said charlie dolefully the boys scream johnny coat-tail after me in the streets and call me blue jay and blue nigger and lots of other names i feel that all that's wanting to make a complete monkey of me is for someone to carry me about on an organ what do you wear it for then asked kinch because i can't help myself that's the reason the boys plague me to that extent sometimes that i feel like tearing the things into bits but mother says i must wear it kinch concluded he significantly something will have to be done i can't stand it you remember what i told you about the wig don't you asked kinch and on receiving an affirmative reply he continued just try that on and see how it goes you'll find it'll work like a charm it's a regular footman expatriator just try it now you'll see if it isn't the thing to do the business for you i'm determined to be as bad as i can rejoined charlie i'm tired enough of staying there that old aunt ratch is a devil i don't believe a saint from heaven could get on with her i'm expecting we'll have a pitched battle every day beguiling the time with this and similar conversation they reached the house to which charlie had been dispatched with a note after which he turned his steps homeward still accompanied by the redoubtable kinch as ill luck would have it they passed some boys who were engaged in a game of marbles charlie's favourite pastime and on kinch's offering him the necessary stock to commence play he launched into the game regardless of the fact that the carriage was ordered for a drive within an hour and that he was expected to fill his accustomed place in the rear of that splendid vehicle once immersed in the game time flew rapidly on mrs thomas awaited his return until her patience was exhausted when she started on her drive without him as they were going through a quiet street to her horror and surprise prominent amidst a crowd of dirty boys she discovered her little footman with his elegant blue livery covered with dirt and sketches in white chalk for in the excitement of the game dolly had not observed that kinch was engaged in drawing on the back of his coat his favourite illustration to wit a skull and crossbones isn't that our charlie said she to her daughter surveying the crowd of noisy boys through her eyeglass i really believe it is that is certainly our livery pull the check-string and stop the carriage now roberts had been pressed into service 
in consequence of charlie's absence and was in no very good humour at being compelled to air his rheumatic old shins behind the family carriage it can therefore be readily imagined with what delight he recognised the delinquent footman amidst the crowd and with what alacrity he descended and pounced upon him just at the most critical moment of the game clutching fast hold of him by the collar of his coat he dragged him to the carriage window and held him before the astonished eyes of his indignant mistress who lifted up her hands in horror at the picture he presented oh you wretched boy said she just look at your clothes all covered with chalk marks and bespattered with lime your livery is totally ruined and your knees too only look at them the dirt is completely ground into them but you haven't seed his back marm said roberts he's got the pirate's flag drawn on it that boy'll go straight to the devil i know he will all this time charlie to his great discomfiture was being shaken and turned about by roberts in the most unceremonious manner kinch with his usual audacity was meanwhile industriously engaged in tracing on robert's coat a similar picture to that he had so skilfully drawn on charlie's to the great delight of a crowd of boys who stood admiring spectators of his artistic performances the coachman however observing this operation brought it to a rather hasty conclusion by a well-directed cut of the whip across the fingers of the daring young artist this so enraged kinch that in default of any other missile he threw his lime-covered cap at the head of the coachman but unfortunately for himself the only result of his exertions was the lodgment of his cap in the topmost bough of a neighbouring tree from whence it was rescued with great difficulty what shall we do with him asked mrs thomas in a despairing tone as she looked at charlie put him with the coachman suggested mrs morton he can't sit there the horses are so rested and the seat is only constructed for one and he would be in the coachman's way i suppose he must find room on behind with roberts i won't ride on the old carriage cried charlie nerved by despair i won't stay here nohow i'm going home to my mother and as he spoke he endeavoured to wrest himself from robert's grasp put him in here said mrs thomas it would never do to let him go for he will run home with some distressing tale of ill-treatment no we must keep him until i can send for his mother put him in here much to mrs morton's disgust charlie was bundled by roberts into the bottom of the carriage where he sat listening to the scolding of mrs thomas and her daughter until they arrived at home he remained in disgrace for several days after this adventure but as mrs thomas well knew that she could not readily fill his place with another she made a virtue of necessity and kindly looked over this first offence the situation was however growing more and more intolerable aunt rachel and he had daily skirmishes in which he was very frequently worsted he had held several hurried consultations with hinch through the grating of the cellar window and was greatly cheered and stimulated in the plans he intended to pursue by the advice and sympathy of his devoted friend master kinch's efforts to console charlie were not without great risk to himself as he had on two or three occasions narrowly escaped falling into the clutches of roberts who well remembered kinch's unprecedented attempt upon the sacredness of his livery and what the result might have been had the latter fallen into his hands we cannot contemplate without a shudder 
these conferences between kent and charlie produced their natural effect and latterly it had been several times affirmed by aunt rachel that dat air boy was gettin tirely too high gettin above hisself pleatly dat he was gettin more and more aggrawatin every day dat she itched to get at him dat she spectin nothin else but what she'd be obliged to take hold of him and she comported herself generally as if she was crazy for the conflict which she saw must sooner or later occur charlie unable on these occasions to reply to her remarks without precipitating a conflict for which he did not feel prepared sought to revenge himself upon the veteran tom and such was the state of his feelings that he bribed kinch with a large lump of sugar and the leg of a turkey to bring up his mother's jerry a fierce young calf and they had the satisfaction of shutting him up in the wood-house with the belligerent tom who suffered a signal defeat at jerry's claws and was obliged to beat a hasty retreat through the window with a seriously damaged eye and with the fur torn off his back in numberless places after this charlie had the pleasure of hearing aunt rachel frequently bewail the condition of her favourite whose deplorable state she was inclined to ascribe to his influence though she was unable to bring it home to him in such a manner as to ensure his conviction End of chapter six